Hey, this is Brian McManus, Denver Broncos Super Bowl champion, and you listen to The Scoop on alscoop.com. Welcome back to The Scoop. This is Season 6, Episode 37 of AlScoop.com's podcast. I'm your host, John DiCarlo. Flying solo this week, both Kyle Gauss and Sam Cohen are on vacation. So the bad news is, is that you're not going to hear them, and you're going to have to get used to hearing my voice for, for the bulk of this podcast. But the good news is that my voice will not be the only one that you'll hear this week, because you're going to hear... A familiar voice this week, and that is the voice of Eagles linebacker and former Temple star Sean Bradley. Sean Bradley, kind enough to spend time with us this week for an exclusive interview. I think you guys are going to love this conversation. If you're an Eagles fan, if you're a Temple fan, either way, Sean gave us plenty of great stuff. He's always been an outstanding interview. This week was no different. Again, if you're an Eagles fan, he's going to give you some great insight into Jalen Hurts, uh, a little bit of the time that he spent around Devontae Smith. Uh, the time that he spent around new Eagles coach Nick Sirianni, his defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon, uh, a lot of great stuff there. Uh, fans kind of from the outside looking in have wondered if the the exuberance and the 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 competition and the rock, paper, scissors stuff with with Nick Sirianni, if it's if it's genuine, if it's legitimate, Sean Bradley says that it is. So a, a lot of great Eagles details for you guys. And then, of course, if you're a Temple fan, and I'm assuming that most of you, if not all of you are, if you're tuning into this podcast, Sean has some great memories, again, of his time playing at Temple um, and also talked about, you know, what fans can expect from a guy like Iverson Clement, a fellow Rancocas Valley uh, football standout there. Uh, Sean uh, knows knows Iverson a little bit, talked about what he can bring to the Owls backfield, um, talked about his time playing for Rod Carey, talked a lot about why he thinks the Owls are going to bounce back this season, talked about his relationship with Amir Tyler why he thinks Rod Carey can get things turned around. He did get the chance to, to sit in on, like he said, a, a few Temple spring practices, was very impressed with what he saw from Dewan Mathis, thinks he's going to be very good. So again, I think you guys are really, really going to enjoy this conversation between the Temple stuff, between you know anecdotes with, about Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, again, just a, a great football episode this week. So that's going to be the bulk of it. And of course, the, the big news this week, and I'm sure we'll be talking about this in the coming weeks, is that Temple University has its new president. Uh, after a 10-month search, Dr. Jason Wingard, who had been at Columbia as a dean emeritus and professor, uh, professor of human capital management uh, at Columbia School of Professional Studies, he's going to be Temple's new president effective July 1st. Uh, he's a Philly resident, lives up in Chestnut Hill, had worked previously at the Wharton School at Penn. Uh, of course, he's making history. He will be Temple's first Black president in the institution's 137-year history. Was announced as Temple's president on Tuesday. We're recording this on a Wednesday. You guys will most likely be hearing this on Thursday morning. So, obviously, a significant moment in, in Temple's history. Uh, Jason has a pretty solid, pretty impressive resume, to say the least. He's actually a former student athlete, played football, and ran track at Stanford. On Tuesday, he talked about his time. Uh, he's a Westchester resident, went to, went to Westchester Henderson High School. Uh, his parents still live out in Chester County. He talked about how um, he spent time on Temple's campus when his father, Dr. Levi Wingard, uh, was earning a graduate degree from Temple more than 40 years ago. He spent some time on Temple's campus, and he had a conversation with John Cheney, so we talked about that on Tuesday and uh, talked about how John Cheney gave him some, some tips uh, for being successful in life. Uh, sat down and told them, uh, you know, you got to get up early and work harder than your peers. So, uh, hey, pretty good opening press conference. Anytime you can talk about your vision and and uh, and bring John Cheney into it, I think Temple people are going to respond to that. So, again, an exciting time and an exciting moment in the university's history. So, again, Dr. Jason Wingard will be Temple's new president effective July 1st. He's replacing Dr. Richard Engler. And, of course, he has a big hire ahead uh, with uh, a new athletic director eventually, as you guys know, Fran Dunphy, former longtime Temple basketball coach, has been the the acting the acting interim athletic director. So um, that's a, a search I think that will be taking place sooner rather than later. Fran has talked about again that he's here for as long as Temple needs him, and he's been in that acting role since last summer. So 
that'll be one of the hires that, that Jason Wingard makes in the, I guess, the coming weeks or so. So we'll have more news on that as it develops over the next several weeks. So, uh, but again, the majority of this episode will be my conversation with Sean Bradley. Before we get to that, just a reminder, if you haven't already, to please subscribe to The Scoop on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you access your podcasts. Uh, any ratings and reviews help us uh, help elevate the presence of Temple Sports Talk uh, in the podcast stratosphere. And uh, if you haven't already, consider subscribing to Al Scoop. We are going to be running a special later in the summer for new subscribers. It's recruiting season. Sam Cohn is going to be covering Philly Live over at St. Joe's Prep this month, uh, bringing you coverage of some of the players that Temple is recruiting in basketball. Dante Colinelli, who has just joined our staff, uh, has a few recruiting pieces up on the site already. One on Jack Latour from Middletown South High School uh, in New Jersey. A piece on Eden James, the son of Edrin James, uh, plays, plays uh, at Treasure Coast High School down in Florida, has an offer from Temple. Uh, an article on Richard James from St. Joe's Prep, recently picked up a Temple offer. He's a class of 2024 defensive tackle. So we're going to have a lot of recruiting coverage for you guys. In the, coming, uh, in the coming weeks over the summer. And like I said, we will be running a special eventually for some new subscribers. So between subscribing to this podcast and subscribing to the site, we've got you covered. Appreciate the support of the podcast. Appreciate the support of the site. Without further ado, we will get to this interview with Sean Bradley. Again, ton of great Eagle stuff, uh, a ton of great Temple stuff as well. Answered a couple of reader mailbag questions as well. So we'll turn this interview over and hopefully you guys enjoy it. All right, we're excited to have a, a familiar face and a familiar voice back with us on the scoop this week. Eagles linebacker Sean Bradley, uh, unless you've been living under a rock and you're a Temple fan listening to this podcast, you know that, that Sean was really one of the better linebackers, not just in recent memory, but really in the program's history. Had more than 250 career tackles, 22 tackles for a loss in his career, uh, single-digit player, I'm sure you guys remember him as a guy who played well in big games, had the interception he returned for a touchdown at Maryland in 2018. Then he had the big tackling made on a future pro in Anthony McFarland that was part of that goal line stand and another big win over Maryland in 2019. Uh, Sean eventually became a six-round pick of his hometown Philadelphia Eagles uh, in the 2020 draft. Had 15 tackles last season as a rookie. Now he's entering his second season. Sean, thanks so much for being with us this week. Really appreciate it. How's everything going just in life in general and just being a pro in your hometown? I appreciate you having me and everything's been good, man. I can't complain. It's like, honestly, man, it's been like a dream. Just like I just like I thought it would be, man. And it's, it's I'm living it, man. I can't complain. So everything's really well. Sean, you were when you were at Temple coaching changes were obviously nothing new. You know, you've been over this before. You're recruited by Matt Rule and his staff, played for Jeff Collins. You sat through the whatever the 17, 18 days was with Manny Diaz, probably one of the most bizarre things. And you guys had to patiently wait that out. Uh, and then you were one of the guys that when Rod Carey talked about his first season at Temple, said repeatedly, uh, we wouldn't be having the success with that that we're having without Sean Bradley, without Chappelle Russell. These guys have meant so much to me. I wouldn't be able to do what I do without them. So you're used to change. You get into the NFL, you play your first season for, for Doug Pierce and, and Jim Schwartz, and then boom, more change. Now you have a new staff with Nick Sirianni, new defensive coordinator and Jonathan Gannon, who comes in with a great reputation, uh, new linebackers coach, Nick Rallis. What can you tell us about what that that process was like? And like you get into the league and, and then after that first season, there's there's change. Was it just kind of more of the same or is it just a completely I know there are obvious differences in the NFL, but what's it like just been dealing with that change? I mean, honestly, it, it's been it's been kind of easy because, like you said, I've been I've been used to it. So once I once they ended up leaving and I found out, that I'm like, cool, this is like a perfect opportunity for me to get my foot in the door or find a way in. You feel me? Just. Just different ways, just like I did with Coach Collins when, when the transfer came with Coach Collins. I'm like, all right, well, now it's a fresh start. Everyone has an equal playing field. You have to learn the playbook, things like that. So, I mean, I used it as an opportunity, honestly, and that's what I'm going to continue to do. So, in terms of that, you know, that that's how I went about it. But, you know, it, Temple kind of prepared me for it. <laughs> that, that whole going through all that has kind of made the transition so much easier. I know it, you don't – now, it's not – similar to college because it's the NFL, but you know what to expect in some ways. So it was, there were some transferable skills there. So it did kind of prepare you for it. Yeah, most definitely. Like I felt like, I felt like, you know, 
coming with a new staff, you know what they're going to be looking for. And it was it was kind of the same. You know, when we got on the practice field, just like in college, it was they want to see effort. You want to see running to the ball. They want to see, you know, what what the guys have, what your abilities are, what you can do and can't do on and off the field. So you feel me? That's what I wanted to, to show. I put my best foot forward and I'm continuing to do that. So that's where I've been at. So the offseason program is done. The key thing is you actually had some time on the field this year in the offseason program. And last year, you're you're learning the playbook on an iPad, right? And this year, it's a little different. I know it's probably the simplest question, but how big is it for you? And again, I don't know, maybe in some ways it feels like you're kind of starting over with a new staff, but how big was it to just get that time on the field when last year you're a rookie you're trying to prove yourself. And I know you've always had that attitude. You don't sit back and think that anything's going to be given to you, but last year just had to be nuts for, you know, for everyone in the league with COVID, how big was it just to get a few weeks on the field? Even if you guys weren't in full pads and it's not training camp yet, how much did that mean in terms of your development as a player and just getting used to these guys? I thought it was huge. I mean, I tell, I tell the rookies now that we're on the practice field now and I'm like, yo, like, it's so much, it's, it, it's better. Like I know it's a lot and it's still not the same as it was, but it's, it's a lot better that we get to go out here on OTAs and practice together, run through the plays because last year learning on the iPad, you were, there's only so much you can visualize, right? You can see it on the iPad. You can see it on the, the little, the papers they have and drawn out with X's and O's, but you don't get the real feel for it until it's running full speed and you're running the rep, right? So I felt like being on the field was viable. So I, I really was one of the people that was like, I honestly wanted to go in a little bit because I felt like, you know, we need it. Like, you know, everybody needs it. Everybody needs to be on the field running the playbook, especially with a new staff. But I'm lucky we got the what we got. And uh, that was a perfect situation. I think we did perfectly with it. So, so two-part question for you. What can you tell us about Jonathan Gannon? And were you able to get an advanced scouting report on him from your former teammate, Rocky Sim, because he was coached by him with the Colts? Did you get an advanced scouting report on him? And what's he like? Because, again, I know – you guys haven't played a game yet, but we're hearing, you know, high energy, very respected future head coach, all that, all that sort of stuff. It seems like the players really like him, but what's it been like to play for him? And did Rock give you an advanced look at what you might be able to expect from him? JG is awesome, man. I mean, like, just like you said. He wants you to call you. That's what he wants you guys to call him, right? Didn't he say that yeah. earlier? It's a call me. Yeah, JG. JG, my guy. But, um, yeah, he's awesome, man. Real high energy, high character guy, you know, loves football. And it just like, like I said, it's, it's really the energy and the passion he brings. Like, it's like when he steps into the room, it's boom. You feel me? Like, he's there. He's there. He's right there. Like, you feel me? He's, he's, he's ready to go. He's hype. He's eager to, you know, teach you. And he's he cool. He's down to earth, young. So, so it's all that. And rock, absolutely. That was one of the first things I did, even with uh, 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 Nick. Nick right. because I was like, yo, they're coming from Indianapolis. I hit Rocco immediately, though, which could you tell me? And Jonathan Taylor, too, because I trained with him, same agency. I hit him up. I'm like, yo, what can you tell me about him? You know, how is he as a coach? Da, da, da. And Rock told me, like, Rock, the first thing Rock said to me was, you're going to love him. And he's going to love you. That's what he said. You're going to love him. He's going to love you. That's what he told me. So, you know, I already knew what to expect. And then after that, it was just all written. I'm just like, all right, I'm just going to do what I do. Try to do it my best and see what we go from there. What has it been like, you know, I mean, if you, I know sometimes players say, well, I don't read the papers. Or I don't, I don't listen to sports talk radio and stuff, but you know how much your new head coach has been teased about like the competition thing and the rock, paper, scissors thing. And then some people on the outside want to know how genuine is it? But the, again, the more we hear, the more we read is that all the players have been saying it's genuine. He really, he really cares. It's not an act the enthusiasm is real. And it, that seems to be the vibe. And again, you guys have to go out and win. You have to go out and prove it. But when there's newness, especially this fan base, as crazy as they are, they want to know, okay, is this real? Is this genuine? It seems that way. Is that what you guys are picking up on? I mean, it sounds like it when you're talking about Gannon with Nick Sirianni too. Is it, it seems like the players are really latching on to it and saying, even if this guy's a new head coach, a rookie head coach, we're, we're buying what he's selling, so to speak. Yeah, and I think that's and I think that's important, and I and I agree, and that's and that's completely true. I think that's important. Your players buying into your coaching staff, and I think that when he came in here, I do think it's genuine. He's a down to earth person. Um, you know the games we do, it's like they're they might be cheesy in some ways, and people may make fun of them, but it's I think it's kind of cool. It's cool ways to get teams interactive. It's cool to get us all together, laughing, joking. Like it ain't 
that's not nothing about that is fake. So I think it's a, I think it's, I think he's headed on a good track, honestly. And I think we're headed on a good track and the more the players come behind them and we latch on and we, and we get behind them, the better we're going to be. So I'm, I'm excited. So whether it's fair or unfair, like the perception sometimes is that like past Eagles coaches didn't, didn't utilize the linebackers well enough. They didn't prioritize them well enough. They didn't, you know, they didn't draft enough linebackers. I think even when you got drafted in the sixth round, fans were like, great, you know, they took a, took a linebacker. They took a local guy. I know you can't, you can't give away the scheme. You can't give away the playbook, but how, just from what you know so far, and again, there's a lot of football left ahead with, with training camp and into the season. Can, if you were to give fans like a basic view of this, a basic scope of things, how do you think, how do you think Gannon and, and this staff and Nick and, and this whole staff are planning to use the linebackers as opposed, as opposed to how you guys were utilized last year? If you had to break it down, even just most basic terms. Flying. Can I curse? Flying the F around. Yeah. Literally. That's I, I can like the scheme. I, I obviously I can't give it away, but the, it, it's, it's really, it. we have something really special. Like, and, and, and the best part about it is, everybody around like our, our group in general, our defensive group is excited. Like we're all excited to learn it. We're all out there, you know, practicing, going over stuff over and over again. So it's, 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 it's going to, it's going to be so exciting, man. Flying, flying the fuck around. That's what, that's, that's the key. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be a lot of that. And, it, and it's going to be something to see. Do they, I mean, do they have a role? Again, I know you can't give away. And I, I, it sounds like you're going to have a chance to compete. Um, I know, I think Nick has said, Hey, there's no, there's no depth chart yet. Uh, hasn't utilized above the line or below the line, like Jeff Collins has or anything, like that. <laughs> but I mean, do you get a sense of like, where you're going to be, where you're going to be playing or like, uh, and again, I don't even know. Cause again, when you look at the offensive side of football, the more I read stuff, like you hear coaches say, well, an X in our system is not an X in this system. And on the defensive side of the ball, you'll hear coaches say, well, a Sam in our system isn't this, a Will isn't this. Like, do you have a sense of where they're planning on utilizing you or where they think your strengths are? I mean, I mean, the best part about, I mean, I'll probably play mostly Mike. That's what I usually play. But mm-hmm. I mean, the best part about it all, <clears throat> oh, especially, <clears throat> excuse me, with our group, is that we all get a get along together, right? So we all we all help each other out in learning all types of positions, whether it's Will, even though I'm primarily focused on the mic, I'm still trying right. to learn and, and et cetera. But I mean, at the end of the day, is is like he said, there's no, there's no like there's no set position or like that, but we're we know it's all competition, and that's what it's gonna be when it comes down to training camp. I mean, this is all like everything now and all the talks and now is like you don't really know until training camp comes, right? So right. That's when it, that's when it's going to be set in stone, and you know I'm going to be ready to go. And I can tell you that. How was <laughs> how did how did things go over those few weeks where you could be on the field and, and you know just the work that you've gotten in so far with the staff? How do you think you did? Any any progress that you made? That you know stuff that you learned that you didn't know before then? Areas where you improved as a player? Again, I know it's such a short window, and we've got you know July's on the horizon and training camps on the horizon, but. Where do you think you improved even just in that short time? Yeah, I think it was good. I think I definitely improved, uh, definitely more comfortable, I would say, even though with a new staff, it was just, you know, now you know, like, you know, you know some of the boundaries of the league, you know how things work and, and things like that. So you become more comfortable, especially, you know, got new teammates and all that. But I think I improved, especially on the football field, uh, learning a new playbook, um, just going out there. And I'm just, you know, I'm, you know me, I'm same thing. I've been at Temple trying to get 1% better every single day. I do that every day. I just focus on one day at a time. And I literally just stack them, wake up, do the same thing over again, try to be better. So I think I did that. Um, and I'm excited for training camp. I'm really excited. So when you're at Temple and especially as a senior, you weren't just really one of the best players in the program, but you were maybe at least from the outside looking in, like, the guy again there were there were some there were a lot of veteran voices there but it, from the outside looking in it was like you were you were the guy you were the heartbeat of not just the defense but of that of that program and you had been one of the constants that have been there you Chappelle and a few of the other guys so you go from being the guy boom you get drafted and now you're a rookie during a COVID season and I'd have to imagine your head swimming you go from being the guy that everybody was coming to at Temple 
tell us about what it was like going into the NFL. Who were, who was a guy or maybe a couple of guys that, that pulled you aside and mentored you where the roles were kind of reversed, who helped acclimate you into the league after you had been acclimating guys to the temple program? Right. You know, that, that's, that's a good question. So like when I first got there now, so for the, when I first got there, I kind of really leaned towards like I, the rookie class a little bit at first, right. Just so <clears throat> I knew somebody there. Like I got along with Mike Jaquet, um, Kayvon Wallace, Graylin Arnold, Elijah Riley. Those were all like kind of my little, like I was Gavion Taylor and I was close with, you know, I try to lean on them, talk to them a lot. And then, you know, in terms of when it got football, learning the playbook, you know, learning how to, go about being in the building and how to present yourself to the coaches. I would say, you know, Duke Riley, for sure. That was probably number one. Um, Duke took me under his wing. He showed me a lot. Uh, Nate Jerry, mm-hmm. um, Jalen Mills, Rodney McLeod, Fletcher. Cox. I mean, like all of like they, and specifically Duke and Nate, because they were in my room. Those mm-hmm. were I the counter to the most, but um, you know, even they just like, you know, Fletch and Jalen, they would throw little things at me. Rodney, they would throw little things like, yo, do this. Or, you know, you know, you should like on Friday walkthroughs, if you mess something like, yo, you got to get that right. You know, just little things that I, that I respond to well as a player like that, that would be like, okay, that would motivate me to be better. You know what I'm saying? Like just little things. It may not be something big or a long speech, but it was little things they would give me. But with Duke and Nate, it was always, you know, yo, this is how you got to go about this. Like I would come to Nate, like, yo, how do you, how do you take care of your body? After practice, like, what are you doing? And he was showing me, like, all right, do this, go in the tub, do that. Same with Duke, you know, and I watched them, even even not even saying that, and I just watched what they would do, and I would do the same thing. So, you know, it's really accountability on yourself, and and I, I can also say that as well. It's definitely accountability. Like, after a while, you got to eventually do it. So, but them two guys, for sure. I know that was a long question. So. No, that's okay. Is that kind of how it works, Sean? <laughs> do you almost kind of have to – seek them out more like because sometimes even as i'm asking the question like sometimes i think there is this stereotype of like all the vets just go to the rookies and say this is how it's done but then sometimes you hear of like other guys saying some of the vets kind of just want to sniff you out and see if you're going to come to them do you kind of have to come to them more like or does a fletcher cox pull you aside and then you're like holy crap fletcher cox just came up to me and complimented me on something or just said hey sean i noticed you did this well but you got to do this is it kind of a mix of both or do you kind of have to seek them out a little bit more than they seek you out I would say it depends on the vet, right? Like, I would say, like, Fletcher Cox is a different vet from Duke Riley, right? Like, Duke's a vet, but Fletcher Cox is a, a you feel me, like, oh, he's getting ready. He's almost a Hall of Famer type thing. Yeah. So, like, it was – it was, and, and, and and the difference would be the rooms. Like, Fletcher Cox is also a D-lineman. So, me yeah. coming as a rookie, so it, it's, it's a little different. But I would say, like, Duke – it wasn't like I it wasn't like I seeked it out, but it was more like, you know, when when you're when you're proving yourself, you got to make your way. You start, you know, it's little things. And he he was one of the people that was like, you know, like I was he was cool talking. Like he would tell me stuff like if I had questions like, yo, and it would be a, it would just be an open question. Yo, how would you do this? And he would be the one, yo, do this and do that. And it was just like that. And it became natural. So that would be who I just started leaning to more like, all right, well, he's cool with helping me. So. And then he and Duke just got a good personality, man. Like him and Nate, like they just that whole group, like it's a good personality. Alex too, and can't forget Alex. That was my guy. So you know, they're just a good group. But you know, I wouldn't say seek you. It definitely depends on the vet, though. Like older guys, like if I like if there was like a Bobby Wagner in the room, that would be different. You know, I would probably go seek him out because I wouldn't expect him to come. You know, grab me. I would be like, oh, I want to ask you a question, bro. Like it's a fourteen-year, thirteen-year vet. So I think it's things like that. So you ended up playing, I think, about 76 snaps as a rookie. You had 15 total tackles. You had a, a big stop against the Steelers. You flashed on some plays. Tell me about just the ups and downs of your rookie season. What do you, what do you think you did well? What do you think, if you look back at the film, some of the things that you didn't do well when you have a chance to be removed from a little bit? What are the things that, that worked out? And I know you guys had a rough season in general, but um, – what was it like just in general to go back and assess that first season and what the, the time that you got on the field? It was exciting and stressful. Mm-hmm. I would say those are the two for sure. Exciting because I was living it. I'm out there every week, like, dang, man, I'm out here in this, the giant stadium or dang, man, I'm out here. This is Pittsburgh. Like this is the still, I've been playing this on mad. Look, Ben Roethlisberger, Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. Like, I was still in the, Oh my God, this is like, you feel me? But at the same time, you know, once the ball snapped, I'm locked in. So then that's that's when the stressful part came because, you know, I, I 
I'm not, I'm not perfect. So, and I'm going to tell you, you know, I struggled a little bit learning the playbook and, and, and trying to, and trying to grasp the whole, the whole scheme of the defense, because it was tough. You know, I was, you know, I was in and out and just, it was just a lot. So, you know, I would say that part was stressful, even, even in playing 17 weeks, I wasn't used to it. Yeah. So I would say right around, I didn't hit the rookie wall. Like I was good. I would say for the most, like the first half of the season, I was, I was good. But like right around week 14, 15, I was like, whew, like I, I felt myself on the practice field. And I was just kind of like, like one time I was just like jogging through the motions. I'm like, man, I'm tired. My body hurts. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I ain't never played football this long. It's cold. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that was like the stressful part, having to get myself through it. Mm-hmm. Now, at the same time, I don't let myself slip for nothing. I don't let people see it in me weak. So right. just because I'm saying that doesn't mean I wasn't out there getting busy still, because that's what I do. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm always going to keep it like that. You know, I always keep that temple tough. So I'm always locked in no matter what. But I felt like just on the off note, I just felt my that was like one of the times like it was for sure. Like, dang, man, this is tough. So it ain't easy. I'll say that. What's it like being a rookie? Well, obviously, one of the big, the weirdest thing I would imagine during COVID was you go out there, your rookie season, you've probably got this juice, you're amped up, you're like, holy crap, I'm, I'm in the NFL, and you're jogging out, and for the most part, wherever you guys are playing, no fans. Is that, does it make it easier, harder? What's it take a, take someone like me or the fans who are listening, what it's like in terms of like your, does it make you less nervous? Is it strange? Cause you can, even when we're watching games at home or for up in the press box, it's like, you can, you can kind of hear everything. What was that experience like? And especially for you as a rookie. It was like playing at temple. <laughs> <laughs> it was like at least some of the games, right? I mean, I, I mean, when the fans started coming back, I'm telling people like, I mean, I know we had no fans for the joint, but when, when I'm telling people, I'm like, I'm used to it because like, it's like, there's some Temple games, you know, for the most part, games are pretty decent, but there were some games we were playing some um, below teams that weren't, there was nobody really there. And I played at stadiums the same way. So I'm like, it's all about what you bring. Like I, I, I always, I'm going to be the same way regardless of how many fans in there. Like I'm going to come yelling, screaming, making obnoxious, you feel me? Just being myself. And I'm always going to do that. So I'll bring the, like, that's how I am. So when there was no fans, I'm like, all right, well, I guess everybody's just going to hear me talk. Mm-hmm. saying so and that's what it was so I mean but <laughs> it was I can say that we needed the fans a lot like this year is going to be completely different because the game we had I'm not sure which one it was there was I think it was Dallas away in Dallas they had fans in there it was pretty yeah. it was pretty packed it was crazy it was a completely different like I was like oh god like I can like I couldn't hear on third down like I was shaking I'm like Woo! you know what I'm saying excited so it's going to be, we need the fans though, for sure. You're, I mean, you're an emotional guy in general, and you've always been because of, and I'll, I mean, we'll get into this a little bit later too. You, again, you, you know, the whole deal, people who don't know you as well think, oh, this guy was a, well, he had to be at least a three, four star recruit. No, you came in as a great shirt, but you've always been very appreciative of the opportunity. Do you think it's really going to hit you when you jog out of the tunnel this year and the fans are going to be there? What, is it really going to feel like, wow, I'm really in my hometown and now the fans are here. Is that kind of like the final piece that's going to cement it in your mind? Of like, I really, you know, really made it. That's it. That's what I've been waiting for. I, I always say that like, I, it's not going to be real for me until I walk out there and that smoke is going and them fireworks is going off and it is blaring. I can't hear nothing. I'm running out of there. That's when I'm going to be like, yeah. This is it. You hear me? And I want to hear that every week. And that's going to get me going. So, yeah, that that's – I'm waiting for that for sure. I'm definitely waiting for that. Mm-hmm. Preseason game. First preseason game. That's what I'm waiting for. Might sound like another simple question, but, again, you, you've had – you've played – you've had some good defensive linemen playing in front of you in the past in college. What's it like having guys like Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham open things up for you up front and just being – just playing behind them in general? Again, I know – you, you want to get on the field more this year and the limited time that you got on the field and the snaps you played, what's it like having those guys in front of you? They're everything that they you see on TV. I mean, you run through, you, they, they take in double teams. You can run through the whole free and get untouched mm-hmm. because they so focused on them. So they, they create such a big, you know, distraction. That, I mean, 
and they get busy. Like, I mean, watching film, watching them play, like sometimes I catch myself just looking like, oh man, he just uh, swim move, get over that, you know what I'm saying? So especially like Fletch, cause he right in front of me. So, but and at the same time, at the same time, it's also kind of like, as being a rookie, it's kind of a little nerve wracking. It's like, yo, you can't, don't disappoint them. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, don't not be where you're supposed to be cause they gonna get on you. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, a little of both. Dude, when you were at Temple during preseason camp and spring ball, we always used to like to ask you, like, hey, tell us about what you're seeing on the other side of the ball, the guys you're going up against on offense. Now that you're an Eagle, obviously there's so much focus on, on Jalen Hurts and, and the energy that a guy like Devontae Smith brings in. Again, I know you're not in the in the meeting rooms with them, you know, limited time around those guys so far. Now you got to be with Jalen last year. Um, limited time around Devontae, but just those two guys in general, if you had to tell fans what they're like, obviously there's a lot of pressure on Jalen with Carson being gone. What's he like just being around him as a player and a person? And, and what do you know of Devontae so far? Uh, Jalen, Jalen, my guy, man, that's my, that's my dog. Um, he's going to have, a, I think he's going to have a great year. I really do. Uh, he's a great leader. He carries himself like that. He's the same person every single day. Mm-hmm. Doesn't change. He's, real laid back but he's a great leader like I'm talking about like he's first one in you know I'm always seeing him in there doing extra work doing things like that and then Devontae he he, I mean I've been around him a little like you said um he's quiet but you know he cool you know I'm saying he got a cool personality you know (laughs) boy can run routes (laughs) 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 run some routes and he can catch uh so you know I'm excited man I you really get to see the team and what we're going to be during training camp and when everybody gets the pads on, we get to run around for real, go against each other. So I'm excited. I really am. Uh, But I think Jalen's going to have a great year. Great. One of the things I think Jalen had that quote recently, and I'm paraphrasing where he said something like what, when, when the rents do, I don't want to miss a payment or something like that. Or like he, for again, from the outside looking in, he does not seem entitled. He doesn't like, you know, when Nick says, Hey, it's about competition, competition, um, that doesn't seem to phase him. And here's a guy who played, you know, played at Alabama, played at Oklahoma and could come in and say, okay, I deserve to be the starter. I'm this, I'm that. <coughs> have like the same chip on his shoulder that someone like you or all the under recruited temple guys like Tyler, Dion, so on and so forth. Does he, he, it seems to me like he has that same vibe about him. Like, I haven't proven anything yet. Is that the type of, is that how he carries himself? It sounds that way. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why, and that's why I'm good friends with him. That's why I respect him so much because he doesn't come in like, man, I'm, I'm, I play that Bama, man. I should be starting over everybody. Like I'm better than y'all. I'm I'm a from second round. He doesn't do none of that. He carries himself the same way. And just like you said, with the competition where it was like declared as his open competition, it's just like, all right, bet open competition let me do what i do he's going to be the same person he's going to do the same exact thing he's not going to change he's not going to try to do too much he's not going to throw it he's not going to throw a fit and get upset man i should have been i should have been starting it shouldn't be no competition you're not going to do that he's going to show you exactly why he should be that guy sean what's it like being an eagle in this town i know that probably sounds like a simple question but you grew up here you're a south jersey guy you played at rv um and admit, maybe you won't feel it like we said earlier until the fans are there. But with all due respect to like what the Sixers are doing now, they're in the playoffs. People are Phillies fans, they're Flyers fans. But you know, in this town, and maybe I'm going to tick off some Sixers fans when I say this: the Eagles, it's it's just a step above everything. This is an Eagles town first, and I think everything else is kind of maybe second, third, and fourth. You're an Eagle now, and. What's it like just being a Philadelphia Eagle in this town in this time? Do you get stopped? Do people recognize you? Is this all weird to you? Yeah. Again, I know you're not the type of guy that like kicks his feet back and says, Oh, I've got it made, but what is it like being an Eagle in your home? It, it's, it's awesome. I, I get, it is cool. Like um, I don't get stopped too much around Philly, but I, I mean, if I go in temple, obviously, cause I'm, I'm from there where I went to school there, but from where I'm from uh, being at home, uh, I get it a little bit, you know, people come in like, oh, can I get your autograph or da, da, da. Or all it takes is one thing or somebody to say one thing and they'll be like, oh, I knew I recognized you or something like that. So yeah, I think it's cool. I, I never deny not, you know, autographs or hand, whatever it is. I always do that. Um, I love doing that. So I, I think it's kind of cool, man. I, I enjoy it, you know, 
join it every day is awesome. We probably talked about this before, but again, you, you had a real good career at RV. So you were a very good high school player, but you really had to prove yourself. You had to gray shirt for a semester, come in. Um, and I know that every guy aspires to be a pro ball player, but was there a moment at Temple where you, where you knew you had a shot, where you maybe did something in practice, you had a game where you were like, okay, I got a shot. I can, I can realistically see myself playing in the NFL. Was it a conversation? Was it a play? Was it a moment? Is, or is there not like a simple moment where you're like, oh, I think I can play at the next level? I mean, I've always, I mean, I, I remember a specific moment my freshman year of high school. You know, I was with my boy, uh, one of my other boys, he plays for Franklin Pierce. And I was with my boy that passed away. And I was talking, we had a, we had a real talk. We were at practice one day and I specifically remember this. And I'm like, yo, I'm going to go. I'm like, I'm going to make this decision now. I'm like, I want to play football. And this was like, I was playing basketball a lot, running track. I'm like, I want to play football. And I'm going to go to the NFL. I'm going to make sure I go to the NFL. I remember that, right? Mm -hmm. Fast forward, uh, freshman year of college at Temple, after the first camp with Coach Rule, I called my dad. And I'm like, man, I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I don't know if I got it. I'm mm -hmm. like, this is like, I mean, I came out here. I'm getting hit. My mouthpiece unbuckled. I I, if I can't get the footwork down at playing safety, like, I don't know if I want to play football. Like, I don't know if this is for me, right? I want to go back to stuff like that. So I, I doubted myself, right? And then I would say when I, after the Notre, after the Villa, no, after the Notre Dame game, my sophomore year, when I first played my first start, because I played my freshman year on special teams, but you really can't tell because I played special teams. It wasn't like I was running down, playing defense, playing when I was supposed to be playing. So I wasn't really... You know, you know what I mean? So Notre Dame, that was kind of like the game. Like I messed up a lot, but I kind of like playing against Quentin Nelson and the Josh Adams, you know, that were playing that were really good at the time. And I was making some plays I was doing. I yeah. wasn't doing terrible. So I, I could kind of like I'm like, all right, I'm like, all right, let me just I, if I can improve, I can I can I could probably do something. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't really until my junior year, I would say. Yeah, that, my junior year is when it hit me. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I'm like, maybe I really do got a real chance. Cause I started to get like, people were starting to like, people were starting to talk about it on Twitter. And I started getting like recognition, like the preseason all conference. I'm like, Oh, I'm like, Oh, they can, I'm like, I'm pretty good. I'm like, all right. <laughs> so I, I just kind of, that, that was it for me. So that was, that was like the real story about how I, I always thought it, but like, I never really believed it until 2018. And speaking of the, the current Temple roster, how, how well I think fans from the outside looking in want to know how well, how connected you are to Iverson Clement, how well you know him, how influential you were. And when, when it comes time for him to hit the portal and he's leaving Florida, people are like, oh, local guy, former four-star, big-time recruit. How much did you talk to him, if at all? And how much, how well do you guys know each other? And if you do, what can fans expect from him this season? Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's my little bro. Um, you know, he came, he came to RV right after, right. Uh, right after I graduated uh, from Willingboro. And I've always, we always, we always kept in contact. Now we weren't talking like all the time when he was at Florida, but we always, you know, talked every now and then and stuff like that. But um, once he entered the transfer portal, you know, he hit me up and I, and once I seen it, I was immediately thought, I'm like, yeah, hey, you got to go to Temple. He should, I thought he should have went to Temple out of high school. I'm like, this is perfect yeah. for you. Mm -hmm. You would get playing time right with Rockwell, Armstead, and 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 you may fit right in. So you know, I talked, I talked minimal to him. Uh, talked one good time. We had a little bit of a talk right when he entered the portal. Um, I talked to the coach, Coach Gabe, uh, the offensive coordinator. I talked to him. You know, uh, Coach you. We exchanged, and I told him Iris was a good. He was real shifty. You know what I'm saying, real good player. So. You know, I, I helped minimal. It wasn't a lot, but it was, you know, I, again, I talk minimal was all Iverson, but I think he's going to be really good. I, I really do. Behind, I mean, him and Tay Rooley, I think they got to go. I think they could be a great combo because Iverson, one thing that boy always done since he was in high school was worked. And boy always working out. He always doing something with football, running either running routes or he always working out in the weight room. So I know he won it. So I think they're going to be good this year. You know how rough this season was for them. I mean, it was – they the season was delayed, and at the beginning of the season, they were they were as healthy as they could be. And then once everybody once it got bad, it got it was either guys were hurt, there were COVID absences. I can't imagine what it was like to just prepare for the season when you you couldn't have a normal training camp and you can have more injuries. They end up one and six, 
And you lived through an era of Temple football where that's unacceptable. It wasn't like the the 90s and the early 2000s. And then guys leave in the portal and then fans are saying, what's going on? What's your view of everything and what they have to do to bounce back? Because there are some guys that left. There are some guys that could have left it that stayed around. They're like, I'm not going anywhere. How much did you stay in touch with the guys? Did do guys reach out to you and say, what should I do? What do we need to do to bounce back as a guy who's prideful about the program? What do they need to do to bounce back this season? Stay the course. I would just say that literally just stay the course. Like it's a lot going on. People leave, people come, coaches go, coaches leave. You just got to maintain focus and, you know what I'm saying, set whatever the goal is that you have with football, that's what you need to keep it on, right? Winning the championship, doing this, you want to go to the NFL, you need to stay calm, right? you need to stay the course. So, you know, the people that left, um, I still talk to them, of course. Um, right. I played I played with them. Um, you know, some people made decisions that thought they better that, that was better for themselves, and you can't knock anybody for that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you got an opportunity to go somewhere and you think that's a better opportunity for you and your family, then you got to take that opportunity. So I don't downplay anybody for leaving, but I tell the ones that are there that use it as fuel then, right? Mm-hmm. You're using everybody, and now everybody thinks you're going to become worse of a team. Well, what does that say about you, mm-hmm. right? Because you're still on the team. Like, I, you know, I'm close with Amir, Tyler. Yeah. Cause everybody knows that's one of my closest friends. That's my brother, um, which I think he's going to have a great year, by the way. Yeah. Um, but I tell him, you know, keep everybody and keep everybody on track. You, you control the team, you know, what everybody's going to look for. Everybody's going to lean on you. Cause you're one of the leaders there. You Freddie Randall, what are y'all going to do? How do y'all want it to end? And I think coach Carey did a great job of bringing players in. Dewan Mathis, the quarterback, they bought DNs in D tackles, corners, receivers. I think he did a great job. I mean, at the end of the day, they got to buckle up. Everybody got to buckle up their helmet the same way. So this is all going to be on what you put on tape. And I think they're going to be good. I've been to a practice or two. And I think the kid, the one Mattis, like I just said, the quarterback, I think he's, I think he's going to be a stud. So I'm excited to see what they're going to do this year. When, when Rod and his staff came in, you, again, like we talked about earlier in the interview, you seem to, a lot of guys seem to hit it off with them, but I think there's always like with what Matt built, like start, like you go back to Al Gold and, and then Matt Rule, Steve Adazio, to a certain extent, Jeff Collins, the bar was set really high, which is a good thing. And then Rod and his staff come in and like some fans are like, these guys are from the Midwest. Are they East Coast guys? Are they really Temple guys? What are they going to be like? But you were one of the guys that really connected with them. And again, and Rod talked about, again, like we said earlier, he said, I don't, we're not able to do what we do without Chappelle, without Sean embracing us. They're some of the, the the best kids I've ever been around. What's Rod Carey like off the field? Because you guys did seem to connect, not just just the two of you, you with the whole staff. Like, what's he like as a coach? Because everybody's different. Rule had his 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 intricacies. Al Golden was different. I know you didn't play for Al, but like Jeff Collins, each of these guys had their own differences. What's Rod like, and why did you guys hit it off the way you did? I mean, he just he down to earth, man. That's my guy. Like that whole staff, Knowles. Coach you, mm-hmm. Coach Brad, Coach Or, all them, like all the, all the, all them guys, like everybody he brought with him, like Coach Yelp, all them, like I connect with all them still, like they are all good people. You know, I've been to Coach Carey's house, uh, you know, and chopped it up and had some dinner and stuff like that. Like, they're just good people, and I think that's the biggest thing. Like, and and the biggest thing for me was when they came in there, they didn't try to, they didn't try to come in there and change everything up. And this is how we're gonna do this, and this is how we're gonna do that. They was like, listen, we respect y'all being seniors and what y'all have built here. We know y'all been through a lot. We just want to help y'all have y'all best season. That's literally what they said. That's literally what Coach Kerry can. And I respected that because, you know, we had been through a lot. I mean, I went through, I went from Coach Rule learning this playbook to Coach Collins for two years, thinking like, all right, boom, we got this playbook. Boom. Then you leave. Now we got Coach Diaz. And then it's like, boom, now he left. So I'm like, dang, like, what? Don't nobody want coaches? Exactly. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I'm like, so I'm like, yo, it's been a lot. And I wasn't, you know, at being a seniors, it was tough for us because I wasn't, I can tell you at the time, I wasn't really in the mood for like, uh, I'm not really in the mood for somebody coming in here trying to do all this extra stuff, like mm-hmm. doing all extra stuff that we haven't been doing, trying to take that culture and like what we built here. And he didn't. And he, and he, he adapted it. He, he, he fell in the temple tough and he made it his own. And that's what he's doing now. So I respect him for it. Um, and, and of course, don't, I don't mean I'm saying anything bad about Coach Collins. Like, I didn't mean to say, like, you know what I'm saying? They left and all that. Those are my guys. I love Coach Collins. Yeah, yeah. That's my other guys over there at that. But, you know, 
So, yeah, I you think you mentioned Amir and he talked so much in the past, and especially this past season, about how um, not only what you and Chappelle, obviously he and Pell go back to, to being together at Lakewood, but yeah, he said so many times, like those guys taught me how to act off the field too. They helped me mature. There's a guy who could have left in the portal. And I'm sure if, I would imagine if he puts his name in the portal, he's going to get, he's going to get interest. He stuck around. Is he the next guy, Sean? Like, I mean, he was a leader on the field this past year, but is he the next voice in the locker room that can be, everybody's different, but a guy that has a chance to be like you where everybody's coming to him. Does he have that? It seems like he has that in him now. Like he's the next guy, the next voice in the room, like kind of like you were. Yeah. I think, I think he is now. And I think he's, and I think he's going to only going to get better with it. Um, you know, I've always told like me and Chappelle, I always told, you know, him, especially me, because I've always been more of the talkative one out of me and Chappelle. Um, uh, so I've always told him like, yo, you got to find a way, you know, to, you know, control like, cause you know, when we on the field, it's all aggressive. It's all about talking. We talk trash, we get into it, but I'm like off the field, you got to learn how to like, you know, talk to your teammates, find out what, how they respond to different things. And, you know, when a coach is telling us to do something, do it, like do what he's telling you to do, but also, you know, do you bring your own little swag with it? Like, that's how I always was. I always like, I'm going to do what the coach tells me to do. If he wants me to control it. He wants me to get everybody in line, do this. I'm going to do it, but you know, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to do it, but you know, do it my way a little bit. So I felt like, and that's how you, you know, that's how you play both sides of this. So, and I told him that and, and often and as it is, you know, you get that also get that voice of making plays. Like you get that, you get to be that person. You also have to back it up on the field. You can't just be the voice and be talking and you want to be just the leader off the field, but on the field, you're not doing anything. I think he's doing that as well. You know, I've always said like, you know, Amir was one of the most underrated players in, in our, when we were on my team, I felt like, because, you know, he made a lot of plays. He came in first year, the first time he started, even 12 tackles, second game had 12 tackles. Like he was, you know, constantly making plays. So, I feel like he's brought that on himself. I think he's going to have a great year this year. Yeah, I think he's definitely the next voice for sure. You mentioned that you went to a couple of uh, – you said you went to a couple of spring practices? Yeah, like like three, three or four. What did you see of some of the young – I know you didn't get a chance to play with Kobe Wilson, but he's a guy who's starting to pop a little bit. And um, what do you think of some of the the young linebackers? And have you had a chance to to talk to them? Again, it's their – it's a, it's a younger group, but, you know, and again, they lost, you know, they lost some, you know, they not necessarily a linebacker, they lose an edge rusher like Arnold. I think that's a huge loss for them, but they've got some guys like Leighton and some, some potential young playmakers at, at linebacker. What did you see when you were at some of those spring practices? And did you get a chance to interact with some younger linebackers? And if so, what'd you see? Yeah, for sure. I always go over there and, uh, and watch the linebacker group, um, you know, Vondi Rigby, that's my boy, man. That's my little brother. Um, he probably a person I took under my wing when he first, when I first, when last year when he when he first got there, because I seen the potential in him. I think he's going to be one. Of, I think he's going to be that next player. Uh, him, you know, Kobe Wilson. Like I didn't really get to see Kobe too much on film, but watching him doing the drills and he made he made like a couple of plays. I was watching him their scrimmage and he made some crazy breakup pass breakups. But him and Vondi and Jordan McGee and George Reed and that whole group, you know, part of myself, if I missed anybody, you know, Will, can't forget, yeah. can't forget Will, you know what I'm saying? I can't forget yeah, Will. Still, the older guy yeah. in the group, that oldest guy in the group, yeah. Yeah, like, besides, before anything, I think Will is going to, I think Will, I think this is going to be Will's year, I really do. I think he's having a big year to show. I was talking to him, he seems really motivated. But, yeah, from the younger guys, Bondi Rigby, for sure, that's my, that's my, that's my boy, man. And I taught him, I tried to teach him everything I had when I got, when I was there. I told him everything, like, how to carry it, how to talk, what you do, when this and that. So I think, I think they're gonna be special, man. They they're excited. So every that? time you tell come back, they always like, yo, what do this? Like, what's up? So it's always it's always good love. What was the mood of the of the guys like when you went there? Because again, they you could say it's about any every program. They went through something that no one's ever been through before. Again, like there's the you know some of the guys in the spring had said, look, yes, there was COVID. Yes, there was we had injuries, but one and six is one and six and that's unacceptable, but it, it, it was, had to be tough. I mean, like the, the ECU game was ridiculous where you could you guys getting yanked before the game guys getting contact traced. No, no group of players had ever been through that before when you met with them 
how were they? Were they angry? Were they pissed off? Were they like, we're still not sure what the hell happened to us last season? What, what was the mood of the program? Is it kind of like, we're ready to put this behind us? What was, what was it like just visiting with those guys and the, the sentiments they were expressing to you? It was nowhere near like sulking and all that. You know, we don't do that. Um, <laughs> I mean, it sounds like that, but we don't do that. Like, I, they know that. Um, a mirror knows that as being a voice, like you just said, he knows that. So he wouldn't even let the team get like that. But we know that. Like, I told them after the season was over, I said, bro, that's all that is behind y'all. Mm-hmm. One in six, COVID, you blame it on whatever you want, blame it on. It's over with. And nobody going to remember who the two COVID champions was. Nobody cares. I'm like, it's all about what you're going to do this season. I'm like, everybody going to talk. I'm like, you got to be prepared for everybody to talk on media and put y'all behind and underrate y'all. Let them do all of it. You don't get to talk again until we put it back on film. So that's what they know. So we're only looking forward. They know that. Um, that's, what, that's what it seemed like. They were all, you know, hype, being the same way, talking trash, same, same as we always are mm-hmm. on the field. So, yeah, nah, they're good. Before we get, we had a couple of mailbag questions here. Before we get to that, and maybe I've asked you about this before, you you get a ton of football questions. You've been asked, you've been interviewed a million times in your life. What's something that the people don't know about you or something that maybe you wish you had been asked before? Or maybe something, I know a lot of football players will say, hey, it's, it's going to the facility, working out, practicing, watching film, wash, rinse, repeat. We got to do the same thing. I don't have a whole lot of time for something else, but is there another facet to your personality, something that we don't know about Sean Bradley that, that you've never been asked about before? If there's, there's something that people wouldn't know about you that they, that you wish they did. I love to play a game. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I know, I know everybody, I know everybody played a game to a certain extent, like more for the most part, but I like, that's really what I do in my free time. Um, like I, if I, if I ain't laying down or eating or something, I'm playing the game pretty much. So, I mean, it probably don't seem like it because I'm always talking like work and do this and do that. And I'm always, you know, vocal about everything. But on my free time, that's all I do is I just sit there and play the game. So that's, <laughs> that's something about me for sure. What is different about your life now off off the field? Is it like do you do you value time with family more? Do you um again, like going back to like living in your hometown and be, being in NFL as opposed to like being in Jacksonville or, you know, uh, you know, Tampa or something like that. What's different about life now being in town? Like, are you still, do you say to yourself, I still have to be grounded or do you, do you value family time even more? What's, what's different now? Yeah, I would say family time for sure. I'm able to go see my sisters, my brothers, my mom, my dad, my grandma, whenever I want. Um, I have access to them, but it's also, um, I would say teaching me balance, mm-hmm. you know, not trying to do, not trying to do too much. You know, that people, people say that it could be a curse and a blessing being drafted mm-hmm. in your hometown because, you know, you're around everybody that have access, have easy access to you because you're always there. So, you know, trying to balance that, I would say it was, it's actually kind of like a little life lesson for me, but I mean, for the most part. It, it it hasn't been bad, man. I've, I've been valuing, you know, seeing my sisters all the time, taking them out, able to go get food with them and, and do things with them that I wasn't able to before because of, you know, football, of course. Yeah. So we have two mailbag questions from our, from our Al Scoop message boards here. These are, these are screen names of, uh, of fans here. The first one is Moose Jake 008. His question is, is there a big difference at the pro linebacker position with covering receivers downfield? Uh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely <Yeah>. um <laughs> like i mean you're covering the best of the best at this right. point but that literally get paid to work and this is their craft so like i mean it, it's not even close like i mean i'm i mean now your techniques are similar and the techniques you use to cover them and and, and things like that like the drills are similar and, and stuff like that but in terms of like the physical personnel of like who you're going against it's completely different Completely. As a follow-up to that, who was the best guy you went against? I know it's only been one season. Who was the best player you played against last season? Player in general? Yeah. Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Yeah, probably probably Lamar Jackson. And, I mean, again, you're talking about an an elite, elite talent, a guy who is, you know – Every time somebody comes along and says, oh, this guy has revolutionized the quarterback position. Here comes Lamar Jackson. What do, What is it like 
just squaring up against him and trying to, to stop him and play against him. When he has that type of just shiftiness and everything that he has. I mean, you can't, I mean, you can't really stop him. The only way to stop him is for him to mess up. Honestly, yeah, you gotta try to get him to mess up. But like, I mean, he's shifty. I mean, and the, and it's not even like sometimes he doesn't even have to make the move on you. It's just the fact that you don't even know what he's gonna do mm-hmm. is the scariest part. You know, because playing against him, you know, he could throw it. You know, he can move. Got the pocket. He got the pocket. He's slippery and all that. So he was just tough, man. I mean, <laughs> he was just tough to tackle. I mean, you just <laughs> just could tackle him. Yeah. Uh, last mailbag question here. The screen name is Hoots a lot. Uh, the question is if an Al genie emerged from a bottle and allowed you to change one play during your career at Temple, what would it be? Okay. Uh, one play career at Temple. Oh man. I would say, I would say UCF. I would say, I mean, I want to get this right. I don't want to say a wrong play and then have I'm trying to think about all my games. Okay, I would say, yeah, because that would, yeah. So UCF 2018, I got a, I got a, um, I got a face mask on a fourth and one on a, on a, uh, on a fourth and one. Yep, right by the goal line, they gave them extra five yards and they scored on that drive. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Terrible. How, I mean, how? I know this is a question you probably get a lot, but again, in a game where you're you're tackling, you're taught. I mean, again, you're, I mean, every player is going to say that they're aggressive and they're, they, they play with a lot of passion, but again, anybody who watches you play knows that you, you do that. What is that feeling like when you feel like you're doing all the right things and you, and you grab a guy's face mask, you see the flag and you're like, Oh no. Oh yeah. no. And like, is it like a sick feeling you get in your gut where you're like, oh, that's on me. That could change the game. And how do you, again, you guys will say we got you just got to play the next play, but I'm, I imagine it's harder than it sounds. What is that feeling like when that happens? It's just like it, like it's it's like your heart drops, man. And on t- it's just like because you know I was in perfect position. I got right to the line, I broke down, read the QB, QB pulled the ball, make the tackle, go to wrap up. He ducks his head, and my hand grabs the face mask, mm-hmm. pulled it down. You know, and I felt them. I, I felt the I felt the face mask as I'm going down, so I knew it. You know, and then I seen the ref, and it's just like. And nothing you can really do, man. And it's like the worst part about it was fourth down. Like I said, it was fourth down. It was like second quarter. And they scored. And we lost by 10. You know, they scored on that drive. So I felt like I'm like, man, like we were supposed to stop them right now. Momentum. We had it. We was up by 10. It was just like, it was just, it was bad, man. I feel like I let everybody down. But you know me, I was next play. <laughs> as soon as the ball snapped, next play. Mm-hmm. I'm like, we can't do nothing about it now. So, but yeah, that was one play. One more question, if you have time for it, to close it out. Um, you're you're playing with a, a fellow guy from the from the American and Kenny Gamewell. Um, have you guys had a chance to talk and catch up? And because uh, you wait, you did play and Pat Johnson. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. From from Tulane, you you guys. He was. Did you have him on the? You had the. You had him on the schedule a couple years ago, right? How much yeah, did you guys get a chance to catch up? Have you guys talked? And what's it like to be teammates with them now? First off, I always want to say I was protesting. I was protesting for Kenny Gainwell before he even got drafted as an Eagle. I was telling scouts, like, every time they would ask me who was the best player you played against your conference, I said his name. I said, Kenny, I said his name. I'm like, yo, when I played against him against Memphis, he was the hardest person to tackle. Mm-hmm. He's not even the biggest person. He's not no 6'2", 240, right. stout running back. He was just so slippery. He, can, he was patient. He can get in out the holes, and I couldn't, like, and his legs was big, so it was like hard. That was hard to wrap up. Man, he was so tough to play against. But um, I mean, we talked a little bit. You know, when I first seen him, the first thing I said was, "I'm like, I'm like, you was mad we beat y'all, huh?" That's the first <laughs> thing I said. I'm like, you was mad we beat y'all. I'm like, y'all was nice that year. Y'all, y'all lost us. Um, did, Brent, so, did he complain about the call? About the nah, nah. I, I mean, I mean, between, I mean, it's over now. But he caught that. <laughs> he definitely he definitely caught that wait he till people oh wow wait till people wait till people hear that i mean the memphis oh, uh twitter was twitter was a complete mess that day sitting up in the press box i didn't realize how many uh memphis fans were were just following on twitter and and lashing out i'm like oh, man i'm just i'm just covering the game i'm not making the call so we have sean bradley on the record saying that that was a catch that was a catch 
I was on the field. I watched him catch that. And I, I looked at my coach like, like I was just like sitting, you know, I'm looking at him like, ooh. And then when they overturned it, I was like, man, listen, oh, well. You know what I'm saying? But that was crazy. But nah, he's, I talked to Kenny a little bit, you know, joke around with him here and there. And, you know, Pat Johnson's in our room. So him too. I always talk about beating them. I beat them too, beat up on them. So finally yeah, feels it, good. How's probably. it been with Pat too? Because again, I mean, he was kind of more of like a, well, again, like more of like a rush, a rush yeah. guy at Tulane, right? And he's going to play linebacker with you guys at least, right? What what have your conversations with him been like? Um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're good. I mean, he's he's still playing, a, you know, similar, you know, off the, you know, yeah. edge and stuff like that. But, you know, he's cool people. I mean, you know, just like we carry the same way. I always talk like, you know, everybody undervalued. You know, I, I always stick up for the American Conference in terms of, you know, arguing with people. You know, I just argue for fun, you know, with SEC, ACC. I'm like, man, we better than y'all. We, we do this and all that. So, you know, we always got, we got that in common, but, you know, I always joke around with Pat about beating on them. And, you know, we talk trash here and there, but it's all love. You're good people. I lied to God. One, Cause we could probably talk all day. I promise this is my last one. And I appreciate your time. This has been a hell of a lot of fun. What do you guys tell, what, what do you guys um, know of Temple when you get, when you get to the league now and you're in the NFL and I've asked, you know, some of the other guys this, um, like I talked to Tyler about it and he was like, man, it meant so much to get to the league and, and to say that we beat Penn state. And that's a point of pride for us. And we have just as many guys as uh, uh, the group of five schools in the league. Now, do you get into some of that friendly banter? Like, do you guys say, Oh, you played at temple. Oh, I know this guy. I know that guy. Like, is that, is that a point of pride for you once you get into the NFL? Yeah, for sure. I would say that like, uh, like most definitely, you know, temple holds a little better weight than it does. I wouldn't say it holds completely weight. Cause you know, Regardless of what they're saying, like once once people like once once you're arguing with somebody that play like LSU or something like that, and you like, man, we play for Temple, we beat y'all or something like that, they wouldn't even they'd be like, yeah, all right. Like you tell me, then that's when they'll, and you know you really can't argue at that point. It's like, all right, well, whatever. I'm just talking trash. But for the when you say like, nah, well, we had we got good players. Like the players that come from Temple, they ain't people respect them. Like people ain't gonna say like, oh no, nah, y'all like all y'all players that come from Eric Garbage. Like they wouldn't say that. You know, it's definitely respect that they know like not. Nah, Nah, if you play there, they tough. They're gonna hit. Like the boy, uh, you know, Tyree Jackson, who plays yeah. tight end for us now, he played for Buffalo. The Buffalo, yeah. Yeah. So we talk all the time about you know that game. I'm like, I'm mad y'all beat us. And the only thing he says is he's like, Hey, y'all boys can hit though. Y'all boys was aggressive and flying around. So and that's funny because that's what we pride ourselves on. So it's it's all love, though. I definitely get into it. I always mm-hmm. get into it. I I was, I say that regardless of 2019, 2018, I don't think 2016, the team we won the championship with, yeah. I tell everybody, like, I don't think anybody could beat us. We had, we got like 30 players in the NFL from that team. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> you had the 2015 season with the, you know, I mean, I think sometimes fans will look at 2015 and say, yeah, there, there's the Penn State win, the Notre Dame atmosphere was magical. And sometimes the, and sometimes the, uh, sometimes the 2016 season in the championship, I think sometimes almost kind of gets undersold. It's like, that was a, that was a conference championship. And yeah, that it didn't happen in 2015. Greg Ward, who's now your teammate was a hell of a player. And that was an exciting atmosphere. But sometimes I think people, again, I get it. They're like Penn state, Notre Dame. Then the following year, you get the one thing that you didn't get before, which was the conference championship. And you just have all these memories that I, I imagine just have to keep floating through your mind constantly. Yeah, man. I mean, like, that is, like, that's some of the best times for me. Like, I was young coming in. I was, you know, at that time, it was, I was having fun partying. I'm going to all these older guys, older kids, older um, older people on the teams, parties and all that. This is just, this is a good time. It's a good feeling. Like, we're winning. We're playing Notre Dame. It's ridiculous out there. It was just exciting, man. So, those two teams, that 2015, that 2016 team, like, that roster, and all the players combined, man, I don't I, – I argue that with everybody. I'll tell everybody, like, man, I don't know if y'all beating us. I don't yeah. know. It's a good game. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So. Sean, like I said, I know we could talk all day. I'll let you go. I know you're busy. Thanks so much for making time for us. I appreciate it. Best of luck to you, and uh, hopefully I get a chance to see you soon. Yes, sir. I appreciate you having me. Take it easy. All right, a big thank you once again to Eagles linebacker and former Temple star Sean Bradley. As I said, it's always a pleasure to talk to him. Like I said in the conversation with him, probably could have talked forever, but – uh, Sean's always extremely gracious with his time and just a, uh, just a terrific interview, a great conversationalist, ton of great details there. Again, if you're an Eagles fan, I think you'll, you'll be excited to hear what he had to say about Nick Sirianni and the new staff there. And uh, again, thinks that Temple's going to bounce back, likes what he sees of Dewan Mathis, 
likes what he sees from this young group of linebackers and, and believes that Rod Carey can get things turned around after this one in six season. So again, really appreciative of Sean's time, really appreciative of all of your time uh, and taking the time to listen to this podcast and support it and your support of the site. Again, if you haven't subscribed already, if you haven't subscribed to the site, please consider doing so. We will probably with this podcast be on a bi-weekly schedule throughout the summer. Uh, but you know, as things develop and pop up, uh, we can record a little bit more frequently. Again, Sam Cohn will be covering uh, recruiting for us this summer, bringing you some basketball features about the team. Dante Colinelli, again, who just recently joined our staff, is going to have recruiting coverage for you on the football side of things. So looking forward to bringing you more podcasts, more content throughout the summer. And again, very, very appreciative and thankful for all of you as listeners and subscribers. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Hopefully you guys are having a great summer so far. Thanks for listening this week and we will talk to you soon.